What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to the Sorry to Interrupt podcast, episode 108, Monday rundown on a Wednesday, as per usual. Sean and I will be back with our Monday, Wednesday during the NFL season coming up in a few weeks. So today we jumped right in. We talked a little baseball, Mets, and Yankees. We talked about the Yankees sweep, a little bit of Aaron Judge, and how we think the Mets will eventually fare during the playoff season. After that, we talked about the Jets and the Giants' first preseason game, did a little personnel, and then we went around the NFL talking about Antonio Brown, some of the Cowboys that have yet to sign, and we wrapped it up with a little bit of pop culture. So follow us on Twitter, at Sorry Sports, on Instagram, Sorry underscore Sports. Always, always, always check out the website, SorrySports.com. And if you have anything to say, shoot us an email, SorrySports at Yahoo.com, and enjoy the pod. Welcome back, everybody, to the Sorry Interrupt Podcast. We're here for episode 107, as has been routine. It's a Monday rundown on a Wednesday. What's up, Tom? How we doing, brother? What's up, man? Monday rundown, we're never going to stop calling it that. Um, well, it's going to be Monday rundown once football season starts, because we got football Wednesdays. Got to lock in, so, yep. You know, absolutely. That, listen, we're taking full advantage of this quiet sports calendar. Mm-hmm. So Soon to be not. Soon to be not. So we'll enjoy the last football couple weeks. here. It's here, all right, um, but we're going to start in Major League Baseball because there was a very much anticipated weekend for the New York Metropolitans this past weekend at home against Washington where they ended up taking two out of three. It was a promising weekend to me. I mean, both teams showed their flaws. Their bullpens were not good, either of them. We knew Washington's bullpen was a problem for them. The pitching matchups were pretty much as advertised. Um But the Mets showed a real resiliency. City Field was electric Friday night when they had that huge comeback and Saturday when they came back. They ended up losing Sunday, but still took two out of three. I watched those games, you know, subsequently to the Yanks over the weekend, and it was was pretty exciting. Um, But they lost last night to Atlanta. They're currently two back in the wild card. Jeff McNeil suffered an injury. But did you get a chance to watch any of those games this past weekend? And what are you looking at right now from them? I mean, obviously we're on record of knowing that they're not going to be play. They're not going to be a playoff team, but they're definitely starting to catch some attention, right? I got a text from Mike Phillips, um, a picture of the percentages, and it's. I think it said that they have a 58 percent chance of making the playoffs now. I probably ignored that text and didn't reply. Um, Oh, and then he sent me an article that had some embedded tweets, and I forgot to run it. I'm sorry, Mike, if, you, if you're if you listening. I'll try and get it up there. Um, I'm a busy man. I'm a busy CEO. Very sorry busy. for everybody not getting you the content. But back to the Mets. Um, super fun weekend. Frazier with a bomb. I like Frazier. He was a, he was a nice soldier for the Yankees. Um, tough to lose McNeil, who's probably, he's probably their best player. I think he's even better than Alonzo because he's cooled off of late. Although he had a couple home runs this past weekend. I still don't think they're going to make the playoffs. It's a lot of fun. I'm definitely enjoying it. And like you said last week, enjoy the ride, Mets fans. Be happy that this Stroman deal wasn't a complete joke. And just enjoy the um, the hunt for the playoffs that you're probably not going to make. Enjoy it while it lasts. I, I think the Braves are probably going to take, what, do they have a three-game set? Yeah, the Braves won game one yesterday. They're playing Braves game two are tonight. probably going to take two or three, and then we'll see. If the Mets can sweep Kansas City, they're right back in it. Yeah, I mean, I think 
you know, part of what we've discussed all year, right? And especially two weeks ago when we had that trade deadline reaction show with Mike Phillips, we, we talked about that the Stroman trade didn't fix their main problem. And now listen, I'll say this. Watching the Nationals' bullpen, they are very flammable. The Braves are going through a real tough stretch with their bullpen. The Phillies have been losing a lot lately, so much of what they asked old manager Charlie Manuel to come back. He's going to be their hitting coach. They're kind of doing like a Phil Reagan thing with what the Mets just did, bringing him in to be their pitching coach, which has seemed to stabilize things a little bit. But the all those teams in the National League, I mean, the Brewers were getting bashed in by Minnesota this week. I mean, all of those teams in the wild card picture have a lot of problems. And when I look at the Mets, I'm like, you're not any worse than those teams, but I just have this overwhelming feeling that something bad is going to happen because that just typically is what happens. I was talking to my friend about it. I was like, listen, I don't have an analytic reason why the Mets are can't beat any of these other teams to get into the wild card because they have just as good a shot, in my opinion, just as far as pure talent as the other teams. But there's just this feeling of impending doom that lingers over this franchise. And doesn't it seem just like typical Mets where they're going to tease the fan base, tease you, tease you, tease you, suck you back in just for something bad to happen. Maybe this McNeil injury is something. And listen, this isn't you two Yankee fans shitting on the Mets. Yankees have problems of their own. A lot of teams in baseball have problems of their own, even the best ones. But... You can't tell me I'm wrong for feeling this way. Just observing this team, aside from 2015, when they did go on that magic carpet ride all the way to the World Series, it seems like whatever can go wrong does. And that's really only my reasoning for thinking they're not making the playoffs. I agree with you completely. I I just still think the front offices of this team is not very well run. Their manager, I mean, Callaway has done a good job turning it around, but again, he... We talked. Phillips predicted him to get fired like four different times this year. We did as well. He's not the only one. And honestly, what I took away from just watching a lot more NL baseball of recent is that, aside from the Dodgers, who are by far the class of the NL, the rest of it sucks. It's not good. No. No. I mean, even the Central, it's like a four-horse race because none of these teams can pull away from each other. And the East is in shambles as well with Atlanta um, lately, like you said, having their bullpen issues. Yeah, I think Atlanta's got the division on lockdown yeah. just because they built up enough of a lead and they are better than the other three teams chasing them. But you're 100% right, man. I mean, I'm watching that Met Bull- I'm watching that Met National game on Sunday, right? And DeGrom gives you five. And you're thinking, okay, they could come back and they could win this game. And they bring in Edwin Diaz, and he gives up the two-run homer when they're down one, and it just sucks the life out of that team because they've been coming back all weekend. If you go into the ninth against Doolittle, who's you've just been smacking around left and right this year, I think he's given up nine runs to the Mets this year, um, and he's given up like six to the rest of his opponents. It's something crazy like that. Like The Mets own him. It's like how the Yankees used to be with Papelbon back in the day. Mm. But... um. You know, you have a one-run lead, you go into the bottom of the ninth, you're feeling good, maybe you could walk it off. Instead, he comes in, Diaz that is, and gives up a two-run homer, and just you could feel the you could feel the excitement just sucked out of City Field when he did that. And that's their problem. 
I was saying that two weeks ago. Be excited about Stroman. You're starting pitching. Wheeler laid an egg yesterday, but Wheeler's been pitching very well. Your starting pitching is not the problem. But the Stroman trade did not do anything to address the bullpen. And I don't care if Seth Lugo's your closer. You've still got to get there and bridge. Your starting pitching is not giving you eight innings every night. Eventually, you're going to have to turn to some of these arms. And I just flat out don't trust them. And I don't trust a lot of the other guys for the other teams either. But again, if you're trying to come back in the National League wildcard standings, you have to win some of these games. You cannot have guys going out there and pissing away games left and right, which has been their problem all year. Yeah, I completely agree with you. You're going to need a couple sweeps along the next few weeks, and you're going to need somebody to come in out of the bullpen and be really hot. Yeah, Lugo's been great, but he's the only one. Yeah, like you said, I mean, you can't expect a Grom or any, any of these guys to go out there and give you eight every time. I think that's a bit unrealistic, and that was the issue that we took with this pitching coach. I mean, he could have been the greatest pitching coach of all time 30 years ago, but again, he's an older guy. I don't know his beliefs, and I'm not going to pretend to know him, but just off being an older baseball guy, he's most likely working with the starters and can't really manage a bullpen that well because he's not a new era guy. Yeah, and the tough part about managing a bullpen, like you said, I think it's his philosophy. I also know the Mets are you know, one of the worst teams analytically. Uh, even if they make that change, which it seems like they're starting to welcome of putting Lugo in that closer role, it still doesn't change the fact that all of these other guys, they're highly flammable. It's like pouring gasoline on a fire, man. I mean, these guys have a lot of problems getting out in big spots. And to be honest, I think the Mets top to bottom are the class on paper of the NL East right now. Well, definitely wild card. I still think Atlanta's better. Uh, No, no, no. no. I'm just saying on paper. I think they're better than Atlanta even when you look at it on paper. Well, this is why you picked them to be a playoff team. Because even even the names in the bullpen, the names are there. They're just not performing. I mean, Jerry's familiar. He was uh, an all-star closer a few years ago, a really good setup man last year for the A's as well. You have Justin Wilson, who was once a really good Yankee and an even better Tiger. And then Lugo. Those are three really good bullpen arms, and they can't get anything. And their prized acquisition is almost unpitchable. Edwin Diaz. I completely forgot about that on paper. Yeah, I mean, he's been the main culprit. I mean, I can't tell you how many times he's. I'm just given glad he didn't games. get traded to the Red Sox because I could totally see him going to a, a much higher talent team and just completely turning it around. Yeah, and that's interesting. I mean, I, I definitely believe that the Red Sox are free falling. Oh, dude, they're they're bad. They did just take two of three from this Cleveland. Is, this but, is typical though, because I feel like every year after the Red Sox won the World Series, the next year they were they were a non-playoff team. You're, you're 100% right, and that's the weird thing, right? Like when the Yankees, I mean, they haven't won a World Series since 09, but even in 2010, they went to Game 6 of the LCS, and they don't have those years where they just bottom out. I mean, even in 2013 and 14 and 16 when they weren't playoff teams, they were in it really till like mid-September. Yeah, I mean, uh, like they, like the Red Sox are out of it. I, I and it feels like that happened after mid-August. every World Series that they've won. I don't remember what happened in 05, but every every they lost in the uh, divisional series to uh, Chicago. Every series following that, I feel like they they. Every year following the World Series, I feel like they didn't even make the playoffs. Yeah, 08, they wa- they lost to Tampa in that seven-game LCS. But yeah, in 2014, they didn't make it after winning in 13, and they're teetering on that now um, after winning in 2018. I, I don't either. I, this, I definitely wouldn't put my money on them. 
on the contrary to the to the NL, this this AL has, has a strong strong group of, of um, group of teams in the wild card race. So. Yeah, I mean Tampa, uh, Cleveland. Cleveland and Minnesota are fighting each other, so one or the other. Yep, and Tampa seems like they've got that wild card. I mean, it, what's hilarious, dude? Even is, Texas is there. Yeah, Tampa has won fourteen of seventeen, and they've gained one game in the standings in the AL East. It's crazy. But well, the last question I have for you about the Mets, just to finish up here, this is kind of like an, a a big picture question, and obviously, you know, we're New York sports fans, uh, clearly. But I have a question for you. Are the Mets the number one number one bandwagon team in New York? The reason I ask is this: It seems like when they get good, like right, like they're they're one of the perpetual losing fan bases. They're the B team in the city, just like the Jets are, just like the Nets are, just like the Islanders and Devils are. But it seems like when they play well, or like it, or like galvanizing the city. I mean, even in 2015, I mean the Yankees. One were in the wild card game, but it, like the Mets in that September stretch run just had the city by the balls, and every fair weathered fan was coming out and going to City Field, and it felt like that this weekend. Like here's this team that was buried for good. They come up, they rise from the dead. They're competing now in these high leverage games after going on a crazy winning streak, and it seemed like the city was just you know, flocking to them. Like, like they can't help themselves. And I don't feel like there's that way. I mean, the Giants, the Yankees, you know, the Knicks have their fans. I would say the Rangers do too. You know, those are the classic franchises in each sport. They have their fans. I don't think the Fairweather fans go nearly as crazy, but is it simply that they're the B team? Is it because they've had a history of these outlying crazy runs like the 69 amazing Mets and the 73 Mets and even 2015 do you feel like that this is just how the energy around this team is when they get good because I can't think of another team of any sport in this city where people go as crazy for when they start winning like the Mets I think the way you the way you pose that question I don't think you gave me a team to answer besides the Mets no, those so were just my opinions I, I don't know case, if you feel differently I think the Knicks are the biggest bandwagon team in the in in, in all the sports because when they suck, the, the Garden's going to sell out regardless because it's a destination and it's always going to be an expensive ticket. It's always going to be packed. But I think the Knicks, just because the few and far times that they are good, the, there's just a buzz around, around the city and around the area, even when Lynn's sanity happened. They make they made documentaries on that shit. That's a and good point. And it was like yeah, a three week a span. I mean, that was that was crazy when they won the um, the Atlantic Conference or whatever it's called. Uh, what was it in two thousand and thirteen? Yeah, I the just 12, remember the radio season. stations going nuts, and, and you couldn't look anywhere and people not be not talk about the Knicks. And I think that has to do with one them being the Knicks, and two. I think basketball by far and beyond is the biggest bandwagon sport. And, and you can't argue that. I mean, how many heat jerseys did you see from 2010 to to 2014? How many fucking Warriors jerseys have you seen in the last couple of years? When you walk up to somebody and you say, hey, can you name um, a Hall of Famer on the Golden State Warriors that's in the Hall of Fame right now? Nobody can. Well, I guess my question is: Are they are they repping the team jersey, or are they repping the player? See, I would argue that I, I feel, agree. But then I when people when you ask people their fandom, 
most people will say, oh, the Heat, oh, the Warriors, depending on the time. But back to your point of the biggest bandwagon team in um, in New York City, in the metropolitan area, that's why I argue the Knicks, because whenever they even have a sniff of being good, the, the people come out of the fucking woodworks that won't that haven't turned on MSG channel in fucking 20 years. Then they hear about Linsanity and they talk about it like they watch every single game of those 82. And, and it's to say, if, if the Knicks got Durant and Kyrie, you would it, every single person would act like they were a diehard fan. That's why I think it's a little different than the Mets. No, I think that's fair. I was with you until you started talking about the other teams, and the reason I say that is I tried to reel you back in. I think that a lot of people were talking about the, you know, when you're talking about the jerseys being worn, I don't think any of those people are Heat fans. They're LeBron fans. I don't think any of those people were Warrior fans. They were Curry or Durant fans. No, you're right, but 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 New York for sure. Yeah. Every time the Knicks even have a sniff of being good. Yep. The fans come out of the woodwork. And the Nets, I think what's interesting too is like, you know, obviously they have the Lakers for that. Because yeah. every time the Lakers even have a have an inkling of being halfway decent, there there there's fans all over the fucking country. Right. Yeah. And I think you made a good point talking about the Knicks. I mean, I do remember when they went to the second round there, and and you brought up the insanity. I think that was even more of a of a good point where the city was going nuts, and that was not a team that was going to contend for an Eastern Conference final, but. You know, even that game, Melo put up the what was it, sixty points against? 61. Yeah, against uh, Charlotte. That was one of those games where it's like, holy shit, the city feels alive. And you're right. The reason I mentioned the Mets is because when they do have these outlying years, it feels like it's like, wow, it's always on the heels of them either having no expectations or paying, playing so poorly heading into it, and then all of a sudden they pull out this incredible stretch of games and everyone gets excited. And I think a lot of people too. I mean, like I said, the Yankees have their fans, but... I think for the Mets, it's more of just like being... For the Knicks, I think it's more of bandwagonness to try and be, you know, part of the crowd and kind of that crowd mentality. I think for the Mets, people are just genuinely happy that the Mets are actually good. Like, I remember I was living in Queens during the uh, 2015 World Series, and it was fun. It was a lot of fun to be out there because, I mean, I even found myself rooting for the Mets because it was just like this fucking team. Nothing ever can go their way, and most of it is to their own doing, but... I think it's not a bandwagon thing. I think it's more of a celebration that things are actually kind of going their way for fucking once every 10 years. Yeah, that's a good point because, you know, obviously, like, you expect ever since, you know, the Yankees haven't had a losing season since 92. And, you know, the Giants, even in their worst of times, you expect that at some point they'll get their shit together and win a Super Bowl. But the Jets, the Mets... And the Knicks just don't seem to have that feeling. So when they do go on this run, it, it's it grabs all the people who don't have that allegiance to the A team, this crazy energy. It's like palpable. You're right. Absolutely. So speaking of the Yankees, they continue to just do a number on the Baltimore Orioles like I've never seen. Glaber, Glaber wants to play the Orioles every game for the rest of his life. I think if he did that, he would... Shatter Bonds's record. Did you see? Did you see somebody? Somebody on the Orioles called him like a first ballot Hall of Famer. No, or something I didn't like see that. that. They're like, yeah, we walked him because he's a first ballot Hall of Famer. I was like, pump the brakes. Well, I know maybe uh, against you guys he is. Yeah, <laughs> I know, right? I, I mean, listen, don't get me wrong. The guy's a two-time All Star and he's only played two seasons, so no, he's, he's tremendous. Had yeah. a great start, but future first ballot Hall of Famer. 
He's only two years in. Let's pump the brakes. Gary Thorne, the uh, play-by-play on um, T- Oriole TV. I mean, we saw that back in May when Torres hit, had a couple straight two home run games against him in Camden, and he's like just throwing up his hands. He doesn't know what to do. Well, when Torres had hit his third home run in the second um, in the doubleheader on Monday night. He just, he literally just goes, oh my God. Like, I don't, he's like, you know, you better just put up four fingers and let him go because by the time he rounds third, it's too late. It was great. Like, just at that point, you're at a loss for words. But that was really what this season was. If you remember back the first week of the season, the Yankees lost two of three to the Orioles. Since then, they have gone 15 and, or 16 rather and one. 16 and 0, I'm sorry. 16, 16 and 0. I was going to say they yeah, haven't lost They went sense. 17 and 2 against them. And listen, we've seen some bad teams. I was trying to think about, you know, the last week watching the three games in Camden last week and the four in New York just that wrapped up. And I was like, you know, those like early to mid 2000s Tampa Bay teams were fucking awful. The um the Orioles then were really bad. The Blue Jays had Halliday and Burnett, but they were pretty bad. But I it's hard for me to I remember mean, watching a team this bad. To be honest, man, I, I was watching the games and I was looking at their roster. This team legitimately with Chris Davis being terrible of the, over the last two and a half, three years, this team legitimately has two major league caliber players that would actually make a roster on like any other team in the league. Trey Mancini and Jonathan VR. That's it. I don't think there's another player on the field and no disrespect to all of them. All of them are way better at baseball than I'll ever be. But I don't think, and maybe Michael Givens out of the bullpen could pitch for another team. I don't think there's any other player on this roster that could make another, that could make a major league club. And that's how bad they are. And I've never, Never, even going back to the terrible Texas Rangers teams, some of those bad Tampa Bay teams, at least they had a few guys that that could make another roster or that another team wouldn't mind having on their team. This team literally has two pro baseball players. It's insane. It is. And there's a reason why they're this fucking bad. There is. But... They weren't as bad last year, but they were pretty terrible, especially once they sold everybody off. And the Yankees finished 12-7 and seven against them last year. And that's really what separated them from Boston last year because Boston finished 16-3. and three. This year, it's been a complete reversal. The Yankees are 17-2. and two. Boston right now, I think, is 8-4 and four against them. So there's that discrepancy shows why there's such a gap between those two teams. You have to take care of business. And what did we say all last year? You've got to sweep this fucking team. You can't take two of three. You've got to put your foot on the gas pedal and just run them over because they are really, really bad. And this is something that this Yankee team has done. And they're not doing it with the guys that we expected them to do. And we've talked on and on about that. But even these guys, I mean, there seems to be a sense of urgency when I'm watching these games of we cannot lose. It's almost like they're playing the Orioles with the same intensity that they play the Red Sox or the Astros because the games, they know all these games are way too important. And just like you're trying to beat the Astros and show that you're the better team or you're on even ground, you also know that it's embarrassing if you lose to the Orioles. Like, you should be embarrassed if you're on a team and you lose to the Orioles. So they're, they've really taken that mentality and, and they've run with it, which is awesome. We got to do talk about one negative thing, though, because they're getting by with it. Urshela's having an insane run. Talkman, too. 
Um, by the way, um, almost done with an article on Gio Urshela. That'll be going up on SorrySports.com soon. I hope he's a Yankee for a long time. Putting the finishing touches on that, and, and we'll talk about that at another time once the article's up. But one guy that's really struggling is Aaron Judge. And Aaron Judge is a guy that I feel like has universal love from Yankee fans already. Now, don't get me wrong. I love him. Tom, you love him, right? I mean, I do. he's a transcendent talent. He does things on the baseball field, both offensively and defensively, that are to a high degree of difficulty not a lot of people can do. And he seems like a genuinely good guy. Welcome on the pod. Welcome on the pod. Welcome on the pod. Yep, he's adopted kind of like a de facto captain kind of role for this team. Um Clubhouse DJ, all that stuff. You know, the young guys follow him, and the old guys seem like they're passing the torch to him. But his slump has been horrendous. And what I would like to see is, can you please remember that you hit 52 home runs two years ago? You're not... I I love the on-base percentage. I love how much he walks. But the amount of pitches right down the middle of the plate that he looks at and the amount of horrible pitches that he swings at. I mean, he's putting himself... We, we, what did we do last year? We complained about Stanton having no plate discipline, no plate recognition. Oh, he still hit 38 home runs and drove in 100 runs. And I hope Yankee fans are just doing this. And I know I'm a Stanton apologist, but I don't really care. Let's not anoint Aaron Judge as this tremendous, tremendous player that is, you know absolved of any criticism. I know John Carlos Stanton hasn't played this year hardly at all, and he didn't live up to unrealistic expectations last year and didn't have a great short-lived postseason stint. But what John Carlos Stanton does every single year is hit 35 home runs in his sleep. And if it wasn't for Urshela having a ridiculous year and Torres hitting having a ridiculous year, LeMahieu. and LeMahieu almost hitting 20 home runs, while hitting 340, this team could be in the position that they were in last year where their offense looks lost. And the only guy that was hitting last year when the offense was lost was Stanton, which seems to go, you know, completely forgotten by Yankee fans that don't like, that feel like they have to indoctrinate these, you know, high-priced either trade acquisitions or free agents. But when Stanton comes back, let's just take a look and be objective for a second about what Aaron Judge has done for the last month and a half or what he hasn't done. He has three home runs in two months since he's been back off the IL. Gio Urshela has hit eight home runs in like two weeks. I mean, I'm sorry. There's not a world where Gio Urshela should have that much more power than Aaron Judge. Here's the thing with Aaron Judge, and I noticed this over the past few years with him coming off the IL. It's like him, when he goes on the IL, I think he's a reps guy, and I think he's a rhythm guy, and he's definitely um, the type of guy where he has to see the ball really well to be to be effective, and he has to get a lot of reps in. Whenever he comes off the IL, when it's more than you know a week or whatever, when it's this extended time, which unfortunately we've seen a few times in his young career, it's like spring training for him all over again. This guy to me looks like, he doesn't have any confidence. That's why his take rate is up. That's why he's taking pitches right down the middle because he doesn't have any confidence. He's he's swinging at pitches that he doesn't normally swing at, and he's taking pitches that he normally puts in the fucking seats because, and you can see this with his swing. He's late on the fastball. 
early on all the off-speed stuff. He is not locked in, and I think that's going to be a major problem with him throughout his career is that he's incredibly, incredibly slow to come back from injuries and get locked in again. And I think that's his major issue. He's, And I'm not saying it's right. And it's I been two months, dude. I completely agree with you. He's just that's he's that's playing his every problem. day. No, no, no. I'm I'm in agreement with you. He needs to figure it out. Whether it's work a little harder off the tee, whether it's take some more live BP, whatever you got to do, he's got to ramp it up because he just looks a second slow. He just looks slow out Let there. Let me ask and you his, this: uh, his his vision at the plate has been horrendous. I think that that's really what's getting at me because. I watch Urshela hit, right? And he is, and even LeMahieu. These guys are taking pitches and swinging at pitches like Judge did two years ago and even last year. They're aggressive with balls in the strike zone that are easy to put damage on. And Judge, I don't know if it's whether it's a lack of confidence. That could definitely be the case, especially with how much he's been struggling. I think it very I much is the if case. I wonder if it's a philosophical thing with him and from the standpoint of, remember in, the, in spring training, all he did was talk about how he wants to be a more average guy. He doesn't want to strike out 220 so. times. I don't think so. It looks so. to me like he's just trying to hit the ball to right field. Hit the ball out. No, and the reason why I don't think so is because you mentioned that he's swinging at balls above his head and stuff. That is a very clear sign of somebody who is not locked in at the plate and who has no confidence. He's making a decision to swing the bat before the pitch is thrown. Which is what we said about Stanton a lot last year, and yep. Stanton still hit 38 home runs and drove in 100. And no, that's my problem with Judge. Right. He's not hitting the ball out. If he, was, if he was striking out to this level, but he sprinkled in some homers here and there where it gave you... I mean, look at Sanchez, you know, the last two days. He's been hitting the ball on the, on the fucking nose. Hit a homer today. Yeah, but Judge... It looks like whenever he does get a hit, it's never a ball that's really the launch angle that we saw, that prolific power that we saw. Seems like he's just being a singles doubles guy. And I can I can I remember, can't stand that. The only time I can honestly remember in the last two months, it, I think it was the series before this Baltimore one. He had a single back up the middle at like 103, and both the announcers, I forgot who was doing it. I think it was Ryan Rucco and Ken Singleton. They were saying, oh, well, he went right back up the middle with that one. Maybe he's turning it around. And then the next fucking at bat, I either struck out or grounded out or or popped out. And, and I think, honestly, he's lost at the plate. And I'm not saying it's right. I'm in complete agreement with you. I'm just telling you what I think the problem is. I just think he's completely lost. I don't think it has to do with him not wanting to strike out a million times because he wouldn't be swinging at these fucking pitches at his throat or in the dirt. I just think that he doesn't have a feel for watching the ball out of the pitcher's hand. He's not picking up the spin off of it. And his he also isn't confident in his swing, which is why... You know, he's trying to hit the ball the other way and get that swing back instead of putting the ball where it's pitched and either pulling it or hitting it up the middle or whatever. And he just needs to figure out a way because, listen, you're a big guy. You're going to get hurt every once in a while. You're going to get dinged up and end up on the I.L., it can't be it can't be the first day of spring training every time you come back off the IL. And I think that's what his issue is because when he hit those 52 home runs, he was, how many games did he play like he 160? Did, he did have that stretch where his shoulder was barking in the second half. But he played, right? He played all the time, but he was he was really struggling, but then in like September you know, he cracked through again and he he even had a his, good October. But he, what was that? His rookie season? Yeah. Last year. 
he got hurt last year, right? Mm-hmm. He got back. He came back really, really slow. Yeah. Same exact thing this year. And the only thing I can chalk it up to is the fact that he gets he's really slow out of the gate with an extended period of time not playing. And that's honestly unacceptable. No, I agree. And it's and it's you know, it it sucks. I don't want to be piling on a guy that we both love, but I just feel like there's with the Yankee fans, there's no objectivity. I feel like it's just they pick guys that, you know, they have one great year and you know, you can't possibly boo them. But all I'm saying is, I'm not saying to boo them. But well, it's sad, certain- and you know Yankee fans love their homegrown guys. They do, but, you know, it seems like they have no problem getting on Sanchez, but judges, you know, they have their... You can't say one bad thing about him, and I think you can. I mean, you look at guys like Encarnacion and Stanton, right? I mean, they have stretch... They're both power guys that strike out a lot. Now, Stanton's a better average guy than Encarnacion. Encarnacion's going to hit you around 235, but he's he has 10 straight years of hitting over 30 home runs. And Stanton's going to hit you more like 265, 270, but he's going to hit 40 home runs in his sleep. You know, I'd like Judge to be that. I don't need you hitting 310. If you do, that's great. But hit 265, hit 270, and hit another 45 home runs. Yep. Because... Having three home runs in two months, you are lucky that the Yankees have played almost nobody, and that Lemayhew won everything. Yeah, that Lemayhew, Urshela, Talkman, and Torres are just carrying this team. Yeah, because last year the slump was talked about a lot more because they weren't winning baseball games. Well, when he was out, nobody else was hitting mm-hmm. other than Stanton. And that was a problem because when Judge went out, it felt like the air came out of that team. But this year, it's like they're making up for them, which is great when you're playing the Orioles and all these terrible teams. But when you're going to start, I mean, they're they got Cleveland. You said it last week, man. They got it, Cleveland coming a, in for four on a West Coast trip. You got to start winning some games against good teams. It's fun watching Talkman play really well, and it's fun watching Babin do his thing as well. But the Yankees aren't a better team without these guys that they're playing their playing their best. No. Judge and all these guys, and I just think that he needs to figure it out. And honestly. I don't know where he's hitting in the lineup. He usually hits second. He's hitting third. second, yeah. No. Put him put him Bryce Harper's hitting fucking leadoff so he can get some fastballs. Put him first. And listen, Boone's done a great job. He's manager of the year. Move him around in the lineup so that he can see more fastballs. Because you know what? When he starts seeing more fastballs, he'll start swinging a little bit more, get a better feel for the zone. The ball will come off the bat a little bit more. He'll start to trust his swing as opposed to thinking too much at the plate. And before you know it, he's got you know five home runs in eight games. Yeah, I think the only issue with that before we move on to our next Yankee point is why can't you flip-flop him and LeMahieu? Yeah, I, I still think, you know... Mayhew, you could put at 1 to 9, and yeah, that guy's going to fucking hit. I think the problem is there, though, is that even with these guys that are mashing, Urshela, you know, he's still unproven to to the league, you know? Mayhew is still not a power guy. So you're not... There's no one really you could put after him immediately that strikes fear into the other team. That's why losing an Encarnacion... You know, Sanchez might be that guy, but are you going to put both those guys back to back? Losing Stanton, losing Voight, you know, those are big injuries because those are guys that do strike fear into the opposing pitcher. If you get through Judge, even though Urshela's raking, it's still, okay, we got to Urshela. Then we've got Talkman. Then we've got Mabin. Then we've got Romine. I think the lineup should be Judge, LeMahieu, Sanchez, 
and then Didi, I, Glaber, Didi, and then, yeah. and then Glaber, DD, flip-flop them however you like if you want to get the lefty DD in there just to break up the righty-heavy lineup. But if I think wherever you put Judge, I think LeMahieu should hit right behind him because that puts immediate fear in the pitcher because it's like, yeah, you know what? LeMahieu may not fucking hit a home run every single time, although I think he's got 19 and he's easily going to hit 20 to 25 this year. But... If I'm looking at him as a pitcher, I'm like, fuck, I got to go right after Judge. I can't fuck around with him because LeMahieu's either going to give me a 15-pitch battle or he's going to hit a double in the gap every single time. Yep. That's not an easy at-bat, and that gives Judge way more fastballs to hit. He starts to see things going straight down the middle of the plate instead of seeing off-speed pitches and wailing at fucking fastball right after they threw a curveball in the dirt at his fucking throat. He's going to see fastballs down the middle, and he'll start to get his swing turned around. I, I just think that they need a lineup shakeup. You can't just pencil him in at number two every single time. Nothing's going to change. Yeah, I think the only problem with that is, is and I'm not totally in disagreement with you. I'm up for anything. But, you know, it's still, he's 6'7 with prodigious power. And no matter how good LeMahieu hits, no matter how good Urshela hits, those are not guys that strike the same level of fear into a pitcher that Listen, Judge does. There people will pitch cautiously to Judge and will force him to bait. I agree with you, but at the same time, like it's a new era of baseball, and you're looking at it from an old, old ass. No, but I of, still think when a pitcher's on the mound, they look at Judge and they're like, "Oh fuck!" No matter how bad he's swinging the bat. I agree with you, but my point is not to worry about the pitcher on the other side. My point is to get this guy out of a slump. Yeah, well, I, as you know, Boone in a perfect world, Judge still hits second in a playoff game when everybody else is healthy. Of course, absolutely. So but you I, don't want to show you're losing confidence in him, but well, I see your if point. If you move him to first, if you move him to bat in first, I don't think you're losing confidence in him. He's going to have the ability to see more pitches. You 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 just have a different mindset. Yeah. Well, the when seeing you're the pitches first. hasn't been the problem. I think he's averaging like five or six pitches per at bat. It's just the selective. Selectiveness of him, but and when the you go up there hitting leadoff, you you don't have the same. You're just looking for the best pitch, and if it doesn't come, you take your walk. Well, that's what he's been doing. He's still dude. His on base percentage is still four over forty. I agree with you, but when you hit third, second, third, and fourth, and he's gonna swing at bad pitches trying to make something. Well, third happen. and fourth for sure, but I still think you know his job, regardless of where he hits, even if it's eighth or ninth. He's not his job. No, of course he's not. But his job is to produce power. It doesn't matter where. So if you're not that, and that's why I don't want to really see him just trying to hit the ball the other way or being so selective with the pitches. If you see a ball, do damage because it looks like to me, you might call it confidence. I think that has something to do with it. But I think he's just his way too selective. It looks like he's trying to walk. And put the ball in play. I, I want to see him sit dead red on a first pitch fastball and belt it. And, and listen, we could argue till we're blue in the face. The Yankee, the Yankees are have what the second best or the best record in baseball yeah, right tied now. They're tied for the best. Yep. Um, but it is a problem. But the bottom line is, I think it has all has goes back to his confidence because he's looking to walk right now and hit the ball the other way to find his swing. And I think, listen, you're right. I would rather him hitting second, of course. But I would much rather him hit leadoff now and them try and work out the kinks or do whatever they can. So he's hot when he's hitting second against whoever in the ALDS as opposed to hitting second still in a slump and swinging at fucking pitches at his eyeballs. Right. And, I mean, strikeouts are always going to be a part of his game, just like Stanton. Of course. But, but, but the thing is... Stanton may strike out. Stanton may go one for four, 
with three strikeouts, but the other one's going to be a home run. I don't want a fucking blue well, single. Well, that's because he's a home run hitter, and that's what Judge is supposed to be too. Exactly. And I love your average, but I, I need you to start hitting the ball out. Lastly, for the Yanks, I know we went a little deep on that, but it is a problem of concern, and we have ignored it because of how well they're playing, but it's a problem, and, you know, the Yankees generally go as Aaron Judge goes. Well, Isaac is back. He is adding a huge addition to this bullpen. Um, he might be used as an opener sometimes. They said he is going to be used for about 65 pitches max for every one of his appearances, but he is an electric arm. CeCe's on the verge of returning. He's going to pitch Sunday against Cleveland to wrap up the homestand. And positive updates on Voight. He's been swinging. He's been sprinting. He's Claims going down. He's 100%. Yep. So he's going down. I don't down. know how you can be 100%. When it's proven that you have a hernia, but I'll take it. Yeah. Well, I mean, listen, we're going to find out eventually when he swings the bat as hard as he can and he busts it down the first baseline or turning second to third. But for right now, that's encouraging. Batances and Severino have made a lot of progress. Sevy's expected to start facing live hitters this coming week. I hope so. And, um, you know, hopefully that just continues to go in the right direction. Hicks is two weeks away from throwing again. They said he feels good, but they don't want to rush him back with that flexor uh, flexor tendon strain. Especially with Gardner and Talkman tearing it up. Exactly, and Mabin too. And then, you know, when guys are playing that well, there's no need to try to rush people back. And then Stanton is expected to start baseball activities next week in Tampa. So Great. slowly but surely. Where's Greg Bird? <laughs> He's not doing baseball activities, um, nor is Jacoby Ellsbury. But hopefully, you uh, know, that was my next question. All of this is good. How's Shin Ming Wong doing? Is he okay? Yeah, in 2009, he was... No. <laughs> um, yeah, so fortunately, the for once, at least for now, positive updates on all the Yankee injuries. Let's transition into football. I don't know if you watched any of that giant jet game. Of the, course I did. You did. It was football, baby. It was back. What'd you take away it was, from it what'd was you, something? What'd you take away from your Jets? Just and you know, Darnold played what one series? Yeah, I liked it. Did you see? What do you think of the rookies that you guys have? And um, what are you feeling about the condition of your secondary? Because right now, your corners to say they're thin is a little generous. It's an understatement. Yeah, I don't know what they're going to do about the corners, and I don't have answers for you because it's a little late to go out and sign guys now. Tremaine Johnson's hurt, right? I don't know who else they have. I don't remember if they re-signed Claiborne, but maybe try and... No, Kansas City, I think, just scooped him up. Now, that guy, that pisses me off because that guy's a player when he's when he's not hurt, which is few and far between, but I, the fact that he would be one of the only healthy guys is a little scary. I mean, you know it's bad when your star safety, one of the top probably three safeties in the league, Jamal Adams, says, I'll play corner if we need it. I appreciate the sentiment, and I appreciate the uh, the team attitude from Jamal Adams, but I need that guy. I need that guy laying the wood in the middle of the field and being a ball hawk. I don't. I don't want him out there playing corner, getting fucking burnt, and getting his confidence ruined by, you know, you name it, Antonio Brown or if he ever put his. Well, feet we're gonna talk about again. him in a minute. Um, I'm worried about it. I liked what I saw from the offensive line. I liked the comments I heard from Le'Veon Bell saying, you know, the Jets are saving him from himself. I, I don't think he needs to he he was born to run, so I, I don't think that he needs to really have any have any much of a tune up. I'm worried about it. I like the pressure they generated on the front on the front, um, but they can't cover they can't cover anybody. 
Well, they didn't play almost any starter on defense. So, no. at least guys you hope aren't starters. Um, I didn't really see the guy out of Florida too much. No. Uh, I Polite? No, I didn't either. Um, and, you know, to be honest with you, dude, I was watching that game from both sides. I didn't really know what I was supposed to be watching from the Jets' perspective, right? Because you know Darnold's going to start. Whatever he does in a preseason game is meaningless, especially the first one. Well, that's why I said I wanted to watch more of the offensive line. Yeah. And both lines. And, yeah, and the O-line looked good. And, you know, you the other quarterbacks that played, you hope never see the field. And, and Daniel Jones didn't look too bad. And I was just going to say, for I want to have my Jones moment here because – I'm absolutely... Were you and Matt? I'm Matt. Were you and Mike in bed together no. watching the game? Mike wasn't home. Mike's been gone too for two weeks. He's in Cleveland. Shout out, Frenchie. Um, but no. Uh, by the way, he's like, this place is just ready for the Browns to go nuts. Oh, my God. And he's like, I can't. He's like, what do you think about our tears? What do you think about Baker? Uh, he, he goes, he, he's like, you know, Baker for sure has potential, but people are already anointing him the next Otto Graham. Like this is, a, they're saying this is the best quarterback in franchise history. Yeah, he said that there's a real energy there. He said it really. Tries, Did you guys Facetime? He said they're. The game? He said they're really trying to compensate for the overarching depression. <laughs> so ooh, I was like, wow, ooh, tough stuff. That's but a, um, that's a middle American country right there. Those are some hard work. That's a state. Um, but not a country. But no, that's <laughs> middle like middle America. Yeah, that's yeah, what I, I meant. You. Okay. Um, Blue collar guys out there. Anybody from Cleveland, you're welcome on. Absolutely. Unless just, uh, if Matt Patricia's from Cleveland, you're still not. No, he's absolutely not. Did you FaceTime Mike during the game? No. Were you wearing clothes when you FaceTimed him? Yes. Be honest. There was no FaceTime. You <laughs> have like a very strong infatuation with this. French is coming on the pod again. We, you're going to have to ask. French is also writing an article once a week called the Monday Morning QB. I've already, it's written in Well, he's stone. definitely going to come on the pod. You no, let me, I need him doing that for the website. All right. Well, can we at least just get me to my point instead of you worrying about what Frenchie and me are doing in All our right. own gush about gush. I'm We're not going to gush. The Jets. There's not that much. No, I'm not going to gush. Run. All I'm going to say. About Jones. I'm not going to gush about Jones. It's a preseason game. His first series make throwing some very conservative and safe passes against non-starters and probably guys that won't make the roster for the Jets defense. But I will say it was very, it, it beats the alternative. It certainly looked better than him going out there and looking like a deer in the headlights. He took command of the offense. He made five really good throws, a couple first downs and a touchdown. And listen, he's not going to play this year if the situation goes well, but it's again, it's something where you say, all right, the guy who didn't look overwhelmed, he does look like an NFL quarterback. We'll see what ends up happening. Preseason game number two on Friday, but he definitely deserves praise. He definitely deserves, you know, the Giants fans shouldn't have been booing him in the first place. Listen, I didn't, wasn't a fan of the pick, but you can't boo the kid. He didn't pick himself. The Giants picked him, and they're going to live with that decision for either for the good or for the bad. But first impressions, you know, it was it was all good, and that's really all I have to say about it. Um, there's Jets and Giants. Jets are going down to Atlanta. They're playing them tomorrow night, and um, the Giants will be playing the Bears. I think between the two teams, for the Jets, just get out of the preseason healthy, find some corners. The Giants, obviously, you want to see Jones, even though you know he's not going to start. You Whatever Eli does doesn't matter. It's preseason number 19 for him or whatever, the 15, whatever the hell it is. So, like, he really, whatever he does doesn't matter. Find some wide receivers because Golden Tate's 
appeal was denied and Told he won't you. be playing. No, I, I, I believed you. The sources were right. Yeah, well, I mean, it's not going out on a limb. But um, they, they're they very thin at the wide receiver position, just like the Jets are at corner. So they're going to have to hope that Russell Shepard steps up and a couple of these other guys come out of nowhere and at least play a couple of good games. Other than that, enjoy watching Jones, see him develop, and just get out of this whole situation unscathed with any other injuries. Now, the circus out in Oakland. This is fun. Now, I'm not a hard knocks guy. You are. What the fuck is going on with Antonio Brown? Just a quick rundown. He loses his request to find an old helmet that he wanted to wear. The league has been changing over to new helmets. There was a grandfathered in period where some guys who had been in the league for a while got to wear their old ones last year, but they're moving over. First of all, everyone that's complaining about it who's a player, you're also going to be the first ones to go sue them when you have CTE at 40. So can you just actually let the NFL do something right for once and stop bitching and moaning that it's not that comfortable? Because they're actually making progress towards a safer headgear and... They're taking all of this brain injury stuff seriously. So stop pitching and moaning about that. I don't care if it's a little uncomfortable. You'll be fine. But anyway, he was threatening to retire if he couldn't get it again. Meanwhile, he's going through with this absurd frostbite from this cryotherapy lab that he went into in France in the offseason. And it's like blisters all over his feet. Dude, I got to get your take on this whole thing because this is... This is something like I've never seen. And with the, these diva wide receivers, you always expect something. But this is uncharted territory. Well, it's not good. The helmet thing was stupid. I, I He is back at camp, though, everybody. He, he did return to camp um, at the end of the last Hard Knocks. I think it showed that. Helmet thing's not good, but he seems to have gotten past that. So that's just a blip on the radar. Gruden um, was super supportive. I don't think he would have been as supportive if it wasn't Antonio Brown. Probably would have cut the guy. Um, as for the feet thing, uh, they said I, they think he's going to make a full recovery. As long as he's got a feeling in his feet, I think he'll be fine. Um, you kind of just got to wait for the dead skin to peel off and, and you'll get some new, you'll have some really smooth feet for a while. That's, that's great. They were disgusting to see on TV. Um, Gruden kept saying it wasn't his fault. Um, I don't know, maybe I'd do a Yelp review on this place, check it on Yelp before I went into the cryo place. I don't know what kind of shoes he was wearing. I don't know how long he was in those things for. Typically, you're supposed to go in there for, what, like five minutes max. Reports were that he was in there for like a a long time, not much longer than he should have been. Regardless, I think AB is going to be fine. I just think this is just a fucking joke. Do you think any of this is uh, manufactured drama for hard knocks and just they need as much publicity? Or is all of this authentic AB and just the craziness no, that goes this with is all, this is this is AB, man. This is AB. I just think that the Raiders kind of let people get away with a lot more than the Steelers do. And I saw the guy's feet. He's not making a thing up about his feet. I know that for fucking sure. The helmet thing, I just think he's he's a bit of a nut job. And he'll probably say that himself. Welcome on the pod. Oh, that would be a great get. But it's all going to blow over by the fourth week of preseason. I'm sure he's going to play. And he'll be catching balls on hard knocks. Uh, Carr looks pretty good. But he's throwing a no He's throwing a no defenders out there. So how good can you look? This is going to just be a crazy year for them. 
I hope they're pretty good. I do. Yeah, I mean, it can really go only one They've of two ways, right? They've got talent on that team. Cleveland Farrell, I mean, I know he wasn't projected to go top five, but... No, he's a hell of a player. He's got all the tools to be a top five-esque pick. Abrams, the uh, the corner, where's he from? Did he come out of Alabama? Uh, no, Josh Jacobs, the running back, did. Who, who, where did Abrams come from? Can't remember. We got to get Maybe past it was Frenchy. LSU or something. I don't know. He's a heavy hitter. Um, I mean, they got a lot of talent on this team. They went out and got Tyrell Williams. That's another deep ball threat, but I don't see them being that great. No, I think they're going to be somewhere in between, I don't know, five and eight wins. I don't think that. I mean, listen, we're going to do our previews, but I don't think the Niners are going to be that good either. No, no. I have legitimate questions about them, starting with their quarterback. Um, Zeke and Dak are seeking new deals in Dallas. No upgrade, no update rather on Melvin Gordon. I still think he's going to get traded because of all the reasons we talked about last week. You know, you're mentioning their running back depth, mm-hmm. and also there's no reason to pay him. And there are some teams that I think about a Tampa Bay that could really benefit from having a Melvin Gordon that might pay up for to get him, help out Jameis there for a minute. But Zeke and Dak seeking new deals in Dallas. Zeke said he will not play without getting a new deal this year. I'm going to assume that when push comes to shove by that week one, September 8th. They'll give him a deal. Yeah. Opening day game against the Giants, opening night game against the Giants, he'll be on the field. But you're starting to, you know, rub players the wrong way a little bit if you're not going to pay him because I got to believe that Zeke is doing this knowing how essential he is to Dallas' success. Well, of course. I mean, he wouldn't be doing it if he wasn't essential because he'd know that he wouldn't get but the deal. But we see running backs. I mean, even with Melvin Gordon's case, right? Like, we kind of scoff at that. But that's we the went thing. Over it. Like, like I, am, I have been well-versed in saying that the running back position is diminished in the National Football League today. It's a passing league. It's designed for an aerial attack more so than ever. Running back shelf lives are short. You can't commit to running backs like crazy. But when you have a quarterback that is not capable of winning games on their own, you have a, an offensive line that's built to maul and push, and you have a transcendent running back. Not I'm not talking about Melvin Gordon, who's very good. We're talking about Ezekiel Elliott, who could be the best running back in the NFL. I mean, obviously, Barkley for the Giants, and you got a couple others, but... Zeke's right there. If you he this is a different situation. They need him. Most teams don't need a great running back to be to be great, but the Cowboys really do because we've seen when Dak doesn't have Zeke, they're not the same team. No, he makes that team go. Honestly, I mean he he's a perfect running back, especially for their offensive line. Like you said, he's always moving forward. He can do it all. Catch the ball. He's dynamic. Not as dynamic as Shaky. But he is dynamic. And I think for, for Dak, who's looking for a new contract, I spoke to my Cowboys insider. I'm sure you you could guess who that is. How we doing, Will? Um, Will also was not very happy with our quarterback tiers. I, I played golf with him this past weekend. Um, he thought Dak should have been ahead of Carson Wentz as well as Jared Goff. Well, That's ridiculous. He says that they have better numbers. I didn't look at He says he, Dak has better numbers. I'll have to look that up, in fact. All right. Well, when we talk about Dak, let's transition over there. We are talking about Dak. I think Zeke's going to get signed. I don't know what else there is to say about it. But moving forward to Dak, Will, my Cowboys insider, says that he thinks that 
they are going to basically play it out this year. He's going to have kind of a Joe Flacco year, and if he does really well in the playoffs and or wins the Super Bowl, obviously they'll give him that big contract because he's proven that he could win in the playoffs and or maybe win a Super Bowl. If not, they'll let him go and trade up to get one of the two big guys up there, trade the farm. Or you just franchise him. Could do that as well, but I think Will's thinking that they're gonna. They're well, gonna what are go you thinking? Him. What do you What do you do? What I know do I what do? Will thinks. Will's Will has, knows what the Cowboys are like when they don't have a quarterback, and it's not very good. So listen, we understand that Dak is a good quarterback. We understand that I he's think? had success. I think, I think. Listen, he's only in the third year of his deal, right? I think that fourth. You, I thought this is his fourth year. I thought he 16, was, 17, 18. So what did they sign him to a one-year deal? Because he was a later-round pick. Don't they only get three years? They picked up the option. Okay, they picked up the team option. Sorry about that. I'm I'm an NBA GM. I'm not an NFL. Well, you GM. better get your shit together because it's NFL season. Um, I would franchise tag him. Period. It's the first year. It's the first time that they're gonna have Next to do year that. Next year will be. Yeah. 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 That's what I mean. It's not like a Kirk Cousins thing where they're trying to run it back for what the third year in a row. Well, no, it wasn't that with the Redskins. They didn't commit to Cousins long term because they didn't believe that he was worth long term money. But they also knew that they couldn't not have him because they didn't have anybody else lined up. It's kind of a damned if you do, damned if you don't. And I look at Dak a lot of the same way that I look at those middle-tier quarterbacks where you know the alternative when you don't have a quarterback. It's not good. You're in purgatory. You're you're almost unwatchable because you're just not winning in this league without a quarterback. But, here's but he's not thing, a though. guy that, in my opinion, elevates a team to the next level. Listen, Wentz has been hurt, and that's probably the biggest knock on him that you can have, right? He's not been available, and the best ability is availability. Dak has been healthy his entire career. But I've never looked at Dak Prescott and said, you will be the primary reason why this team wins. Not at all. But I mean, you can't pay a guy like that sixty million dollars. I think they're gonna franchise tag him at the end of the year if he doesn't perform really well in the playoffs. That means win two, maybe even a Super Bowl uh, playoff games. Uh, but what's really interesting is that the worst teams and there's only there's two quarterbacks that you're gonna want, and maybe another one shows up, maybe another two show up that you're gonna really want. But it's either Tua or it's uh, Trevor Lawrence that you're gonna. Well, want. Lawrence isn't available this year. He comes out in 2021. Are you sure? Yeah, dude. He was a freshman this past year. You've got oh, to yeah. Play three I thought years. he redshirted. I thought he redshirted. Yeah. I'm sorry. He was a, a true, true freshman. freshman. So you have Tua and then Fromm and Herbert. So it's basically what? A three-horse race, right? Because I thought... Yeah, you probably put Tua's head and shoulders above Yeah, I thought Lawrence came out this year because I no. thought he redshirted. But... um. The way you look at it, some of the lesser teams in the NFL this year aren't really going to be looking for a quarterback. I mean, we don't know how it's going to go with Rosen down in Miami, but the Cardinals probably aren't going to be that great. They might be in the slot for the first overall pick. And they already have. I mean, you already wasted your first overall pick this year for your guy in Kyler Murray. So the Cowboys may have an opportunity to go up and get a Tua. Yeah, they might. So, but are they, they but have options? My and quite, that's why I don't think they've signed him. I disagree with that premise due to the fact that I don't think you can ever let a young quarterback go for an uncertain rookie quarterback 
because no matter how good we believe Tua and those guys are, we've already seen Dak have some success. I think the problem. But that's contra. That's contradicting your argument. I mean, you, no, you know I'm, that. No, you know I'm, that this guy is not going to be the sole reason or the main reason. No, why I know the Super that Bowl. they don't know that. That's the that's you can't tell your fan base and your team that we are going to let a guy go who's gone to two playoffs and maybe by season's end three in four years go for an unproven rookie with a running back that's up for a huge extension and offensive line that's kind of on their last legs. Yep. Dak Prescott is either the future and a quarterback of the Dallas Cowboys and will be, or they're going to franchise him and... I, I can't see them giving him $40 million a year. I just can't see them doing anything like to that. To be honest, my Because first... he doesn't deserve that, but he also doesn't deserve to be cut. That's the hard part. When you're in this tier three of quarterbacks... But every quarterback get, gets a lot more than they don't deserve. No, of course, but that's... I mean, look at the Lions, right? Like with Stafford. Stafford, at his best, has gotten the Lions to the playoffs. But you've never looked at Stafford and said he is a Super Bowl-winning quarterback. And if the Lions get to the playoffs, I know they haven't won a playoff game. But if they get there, you say, all right, Stafford's one other quarterback is getting this team to the playoffs all the time. Probably not many. And if you bottom out and the next guy doesn't work out, you just let go a quarterback. That's what Washington was in. Cousins, they didn't want to commit too long-term because he had never won the big game for them. But he had them relevant every year. And you know that if you're if the rest of your team is good enough to be average, you're, you're, you've got to put a quarterback on the field who can make plays and win you ball games and take the chance on this is going to be a guy that could win you a Super Bowl. Eventually, they just kept fran- franchising him and realized this is not our guy and you move on from him. Dallas is going to be in that same position. Are they do, are, do they believe in him or not? I don't think that you can believe in him to the point where you're paying him $35 million a year, but you also can't just let him go. It's a really tough spot. I agree with you. It's, we're going to have to see what the market is for him as well. I mean, there's yeah, a lot Miami of young... decide to overpay for him if you know Rosen doesn't work out or maybe a situation comes about where one of these rookie quarterbacks – I mean – you're going to be looking at a Tampa Bay and a Tennessee where if Mariota and Winston don't pick their shit up, those are teams that are going to be in the market for a quarterback. I mean, if, if Foles shows that whatever magic he had in, in Philly doesn't translate to Jacksonville, that's a team that's going to be looking for a quarterback. It's it's very revolving in the NFL. Honestly, I think my personal opinion, I think that they pay him the money because... Did they know they, ha- they, they, they can't risk... It's Nobody Jerry's else, right? team. Yeah. And Jerry's going to drop the bag on him no matter how much his son tells him not to. That just goes to show the delicacy of the quarterback position in the National Football League. Like when we did our tiers last week, like we're debating who's better than whom and at, at what point and are we going off of last year, or this year, or are we going off of all this other criteria? Are we going based off the team they play for? You know, there's so much that goes into it. I look at Dak Prescott as a tier three quarterback. He's a guy that should get you to the playoffs almost every year, but he needs a lot of help to be his best self. If you take away Ezekiel Elliott and the best offensive line in the NFL, how good is he really? But if you take him off of your team and you go with an unknown or you don't get lucky enough to draft a Tua Tagovailoa or a Jake Fromm or, or you know a Justin Herbert, well, now you're really going down Shit's Creek and you're now sacrificing a really good roster around you that has a short shelf life. It's... It's brutal. I mean, these teams, you live and die with your quarterbacks. I mean, 
how much have we seen Tampa Bay struggle? Do we do we deal continue to roll Winston out there? Tennessee, do we continue to go with Mariota? I mean, Miami has there has there been a more pedestrian team than Miami rolling out Tannehill, and they had to roll with him as much as they could because you know the quarterback market was so bad that anything that can get you a whisper to the word playoffs, somebody you're going to suit up every Sunday. Yeah, that's all the more reason why I think they're going to sign him. Point blank period. Yeah, no, when push comes to shove, I think it gets done too. I just think it's fascinating because I look at Prescott and I don't I don't think, and I know you're right, 100% right. These quarterbacks, you know, it's never about who's the best that's the highest paid. It's who's up for their contract when. Yeah, absolutely. And it's Eli just, Manning was making more than Peyton Manning for like four years. I mean, that, that doesn't make any sense. It's just it's a quarterback driven league and you're kinda handcuffed. No other it's crazy because no other position in the league matters that much and they'll cut their fucking they'll cut their little brother if he's a wide receiver, but if he's a quarterback, it's like gold. Yeah. It's like gold, period. Any other position, they don't give a shit. Next man up, we'll go with the young guy. We'll fill some holes with three other players instead of paying you, but listen, you need a quarterback and I just think that they're gonna pay him. Okay, so you say Zeke gets done by week one. Does this Dak one go? 100%. Do they want to win this year? Yeah. No, I, I agree with you. That'll get done, too. Dak gets done next year. In the offseason? Yeah. Okay. I, I think that that, too, can, could get done. I could see it even in season. They just say, you know what? Let's nip this in the bud now. Well, yeah. If he gets off to a hot start, the Cowboys start off 4-0. and I can see him getting it done. Yeah, for I sure. See them, I could see them um, jumping to conclusions and making a ra- an irrational, quick decision. And let's not forget too. Next, after this year, Amari Cooper's up for a new contract, and uh, he was pretty pivotal in in Dallas's success last he year. He was and up and down. Uh, even even in Dallas, there was a game where he had three touchdowns and you know two hundred and some yards. But then there was games where he had three catches for twenty five yards. But Before again, they acquired him, they were not a playoff team. No, I agree with that. So, again, but. that's something you're going to have to consider, too. And he seems cool with just waiting it out, I think, and that rightfully so. He knows he's going to get paid somewhere, and his value is going to shine. He's also young. Yeah, he doesn't need to get a deal done yet. All right, let's finish up. A little pop culture. Tom, what are you watching this week? What music are you listening to this weekend? What are you looking forward to coming up? Still haven't seen um, whatever the hell the name of that movie is. Once Upon a Time in Hollywood? Anybody that wants to go to the movies with me, just DM me. Um, you're paying, though. I thought this is, You're the CEO. You should be paying a little bit. All right, fine. I'll pay. All right. They buy popcorn, though. You are a cheap-ass motherfucker. You know Well, that? you get to hang out with me for an hour. Oh, We're not going to talk. Oh, I'm going to enjoy the movie. God, but this is... I, um... I'm sure. Speaking I'm, of Once Upon a Time, I'm I sure did, the tweets will be rolling in to do that. I just wrapped up actually today. I'm glad we did this on a Wednesday as opposed to on Monday because I just finished episode 16, the final one of your podcast thing. We are not sponsored by them. We are giving them a lot of free plugs, but I finished the entire summer of 69 uh, series. It was awesome. Some were better than others. Uh, the theatrics of it kind of turned me off a little bit, but I stuck through it. Um, I have a few questions for you. We we could just do this for pop culture. First of all, what was your favorite one? I mean, I think any time that you're getting into 
you know how the Manson family oh, me became too. you know became a thing I'm and just with the that. psychology of it and of course you know wrapping that into Once Upon a Time in Hollywood I mean that stuff I the Chappaquiddick stories were interesting because I yep. didn't the, I know that movie came out last year I, I didn't never know saw all the details. it I didn't know all the details either but that go to that just opened up like really how cursed the Kennedy family is and now you know the the uh girl that died most recently a couple weeks ago so that was just another in the long line of the kennedy family uh tragedies um that one was good the 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 uh judy garland one was real dark she passed away in in 69 but that was more talking about her on wizard of oz and gonna be tough to show my uh future kids that movie dude that was that was crazy but anyway yeah those were probably my favorites how about you Manson family head and shoulders and they had like two different series of it. It, yeah. it was awesome. Yeah, they had the one where they talked about how the formation was and then going into the murders and then they had the ones that was really just about Charles himself. Yeah. Yeah, and how he manipulated them. That was awesome. Now my second question is, do you believe in aliens? That's a loaded question. I'm open to everything. I think if you watch and listen to enough content your interest is peaked enough where you're certainly contemplating it. I'll, I'll puss out and say I'm open to it. How about you? I believe in aliens a hundred percent. I just find it hard to believe that we are the only life force out there. life force out there that the earth is the only planet, maybe in a different solar system, maybe, maybe, you know, in a different everything there, there is aliens somewhere else, but I totally believe in aliens. Do I think that they came to earth or Are you or, storming Area 51? That's what I need to know. No. What no. is this whole thing? Can you educate me on that? The whole hashtag storm Area 51? Like, what the hell is this about? And I don't like, know. In, I think, September at some time. That's my birthday month, by the way. Everybody send gifts to... Um, I'll, I'll, tweet, I'll tweet out the address. You know, between you asking people to go to the movies with you, pay for your movies, and then now sending you gifts. This has gotten very People depressing. are claiming that they're going to storm Area 51, and I believe the uh, government, I don't know which agency, said that they were going to use force. Not lethal force. But forced to hold them back. Is it is there if it does that even exist? Of course it is. Is there Google Im- images of that? Yeah, it's in like uh, is it New Mexico or Nevada, one of those places. But yeah, I mean, it definitely it's been part of like folklore and and you know myth for a long time now. Myth, and, exactly. So I think that that's. But it was just weird that People that just not, came up. Like they're I, not going to be successful. I don't. Ever I don't even see know if it's happening. a real thing. I don't even if know Trump if Trump wants to turn around it. this presidency. I think he should release all confidential documents. Oh please, they're going to give it to him. Put it on Twitter. That that would be his true platform. Trump fashion. That would all be his pictures. platform. I want to know what happened with the magic bullet and the Kennedy assassin, assassination. I want to know every spy. That's dead. You don't have to oust the the live ones, but I want to know every spy. I want to know, and I want to know what the hell happened with Area 51, and I want to know what happened with the moon landing. I want to know if the moon landing was a real thing. I believe it was. Um, and I want to know about aliens. Well, I want to know is, if they're real. These are possible gifts that you could get for your birthday month. So there you go. Just get, get Tom the answers to these questions. I'm not a conspiracy person. I'm not really deep into that shit. I just think that we're not the only life. We're not the only inhabited planet. I just find that hard to believe. Yeah, I, I, I think that's really what gets people interested. And when you ever watch, you ever watch that show, Ancient Aliens? 
on no, uh, History I Channel. I have seen the guy with the crazy hair. Yeah, though. I've seen a couple of those. Uh, seen a couple of those episodes. I mean, they get you thinking for sure. You can go down that rabbit hole pretty quick. I mean, listen, I'm not going out there shouting that I was abducted by aliens. I just believe in them. Yeah, that's fine. You're you're joined by a lot of a lot of other people. Like I said, I'm certainly open to it. Yeah, you puss out as per usual. All Sean's right. right in the middle, everybody. Fucking tough guy over here. Whatever. I'm not <laughs> asking people to go to the movies with me or send me gifts. Um Yeah, so I, I think for mom. me, um, I'm looking forward to the new music. A couple of uh, stuff. Obviously, we talked about T-Swift's album. That's coming yeah, out in like two comes. weeks. Yep. But um, Blink-182's ninth album is coming back or coming out in September. And I'm looking forward to that. And to be honest, I was uh, I was listening to music watching that Met Game Friday. Didn't the main singer leave the band? Well, Tom has left the band for a long time. And then yeah, he came back. But Mark Oppis is still and They're still producing good music. They had the California album that came out a couple years ago, which was real good. Um, but I was listening to that Enema of the State uh, album from 1990 that came out in 99 that had like all the small things, What's My Age Again, and like songs like that. Dude, that is a great album. Of course it is. And that's like, so, you know, between, again, like you've got, you know, the 50-year anniversary of this of 69, but you got the 20-year anniversary of 99, which had a lot of great movies, a lot of great music at that that came out that year. And now it's like, all right, this band's still producing music. I mean, I'm not looking forward to it. Like, wow, this is going to be the best thing ever. But they still make good music. So I'm looking forward to that in a, in another month. So. Good for you. You're going back to your grunge period. Back I when never you had a grunge goth period. Back in, back in How eighth grade, that goth? Right? What are you talking about? Uh, I guess I guess Blink isn't really goth. Everybody listened to it. Back when you tried to skateboard that one time, right? I never tried to skateboard. That was not me. Basketball, baseball, football have been my go-tos. Okay. Okay. Yeah. All right. I, I don't really have anything I'm looking forward to. I guess I'm looking forward That's to very depressing. <laughs> well, on the pop culture front, <laughs> I the summer's coming to an end, and then sports really ramp up. Pop culture kind of three weeks from tomorrow, first day of uh, NFL. Bears Packers Thursday night. Fuck yes. Can't My wait. fantasy football league has fallen apart. We've officially thrown in the towel. No. I'm not giving up, though. I created this league when I was like a senior in high school. I've lost a lot of hours to it, and I, I don't want to give up. I'm in a few other leagues, but... Your I, determination is truly, truly motivated. Well, Sean, I might call upon you. And I might force <laughs> you to be one of the members if I can't find anyone else. So, All right, everybody, send Tom gifts. Go to the movies with him and join his fantasy football league. Absolutely. All right, everybody, enjoy your week. Have a good one.